Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Boris Johnson narrowly survives a vote of confidence in his leadership, but pledges to stay on as Prime Minister regardless. 59% of Brits in the latest poll say they still want him to resign, but apparently he's rather selective about the non-binding referendums he chooses to honour. The public hearings into the Capitol riot begin over in the US and draw 20 million primetime viewers. The investigative committee aims to prove that Donald Trump was at the centre of a seditious conspiracy to overthrow the result of the 2020 election, while Republicans are trying to prove that everyone knows that already, and what's really important is that America be allowed to continue turning into a screaming bag full of mental weasels determined to tear themselves apart for the bloke from The Apprentice. Ministers agree to do everything they can to secure the release of two Brits sentenced to death in a separatist-held region of Ukraine. As a first step, Liz Truss has reportedly locked the Prime Minister in a fridge to prevent him from once again making a foreign hostage situation a hundred times worse by opening his idiot mouth. And finally, the Home Office prepares to send its first handful of migrants to Rwanda on Tuesday, but must first overcome a legal challenge in the Court of Appeal. If you're questioning these people's right to remain, just ask yourself this question. At this point, what could possibly be more British than getting endlessly delayed at the airport? Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore and you're listening to another episode of IC News. We've just secured a fresh mandate from our backers, and despite 40% of them being of the overwhelming opinion that I'm a massive twat who will lead us all to disaster, I'm still here. And what are you going to do about it exactly? That's right, fucking nothing. There's no one who can replace me, alright? No one. Because I got rid of all the competent underlings, didn't I? There's literally only die-hard loyalists and total numpties left. So strap in, you pricks! There's years of this left, and we're taking every single one of you down with us. Now, if you'll just bear with me, dear listeners, I've got a new bit of tech here in the studio today to stop me getting RSI in my vocal cords. Here we go. It's been an embarrassing week for the Prime Minister. <laughs> yep, that's definitely going to come in handy. It's been an embarrassing week for the Prime Minister. Although you'd be forgiven for forgetting it quite quickly, because the news cycle appears to have spun even faster than usual over the last few days. Monday saw a long-awaited confidence vote in Boris Johnson, as enough letters trickled into the 1922 committee over the Jubilee weekend. In a secret ballot, over 40% of Tory MPs voted to remove him from power, a result that Boris immediately attempted to spin into a thumping victory, before reasserting that he's literally physically incapable of feeling shame and humiliation, and refusing to resign. 
The shocking result, far higher than even some Conservative MPs were hoping for, didn't linger too long in the news coverage, however, as it was quickly overshadowed by the government's legal fight to deport its first migrants to Rwanda and the shocking news that two British fighters have been sentenced to death by a kangaroo court in a Russian-backed region of Ukraine. The war among the Tory party continues to rage behind the scenes, however, and here at IC News we can now bring you some exclusive leaked audio of the infighting at number 10 in the immediate aftermath of the confidence vote. Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, what a beautiful day! I've got a glorious feeling! Everything's going my way. <laughs> Hello, old Bean. Lovely to see you. What's on the agenda for today, then? Good morning, Prime Minister. You seem in pretty remarkable spirits, I have to say. Spirits? It's only 9am, but oh, go on, then. Look out, man. Prime Minister tells the truth. <laughs> Holy shit! Did the Culture Secretary just disembowel that man with a fucking machete? It's called a coppice, dear boy. <laughs> if you're sticking around in my administration, you really ought to brush up on your knowledge of ancient Greece, you know. And it's just a flesh wound. It's all part of the cut and thrust of conservative politics. <laughs> Sir, he's literally trying to stuff his intestines back in. This doesn't seem like legitimate political discourse. Oh, piffle. It's not a Tory party without a good massacre every now and then. Isn't that right, chap? Oh, he's dead. Well, that's Nadine for you. <laughs> she does tend to get a little carried away, but good golly is she loyal. Sir, she's indiscriminately massacring everyone within reach. Half of these people aren't even rebellious backbenchers. They're just innocent civil servants, just like me. Well, it saves me writing some of those 91,000 P45s, doesn't it? Honestly, don't worry about Nadine. She's a bit thick, but she's mostly harmless. She's quite literally murdering people. You really do have to stop believing the evidence of your eyes and ears, dear boy. Haven't you heard? I've just won myself a thumping new mandate, and even greater backing from our MPs than I got in the leadership contest. A leadership contest where the vote was split three ways, Prime Minister. That's hardly the same as 41% of the party considering you to be unfit to lead them. It's all dust in the wind, chap. All this hullabaloo about rebellions and violent massacres is just the media making a mountain out of a Westminster bubble issue. It's time to move on and focus on the people's priorities. <laughs> oh, very good, Nadine. That's a ten-pointer. Truly excellent negotiating technique. Sir, do you really think this is the best way to win back the loyalty of your MPs? Seems a little, well, heavy-handed? It's just a carrot-and-stick dilemma, that's all. Sometimes all a Tory needs to rediscover his loyalty is a new trade station for his constituency. And sometimes we need to see Jeremy Hunt get stabbed in the neck. <laughs> Never mind, Jeremy. I'm sure that NHS who did such an excellent job of improving will be able to stitch you up. Ah, Jesus, titty-fucking-Christ! What in the name of Thatcher's ghost was that? It appears you've just been shot in the shoulder with a bow and arrow, Prime Minister. Oh, for fuck's sake, chaps! Ow! Didn't you hear me say I wanted to move on? God, it's like you lot don't respect my position of absolute and insurmountable power at all. Fuck you, Prime Minister! Fucking Douglas Ross! 
changing his mind again? God, this is really starting to take the piss. Prime Minister, look, I feel rather extraordinary even suggesting this, but bloody hell. But, well, isn't this rather unsustainable? Perhaps you really ought to consider the long-term harm that clinging on is doing, not just to the party, but reputation of the government as a whole. What did you just fucking say to me? Sir, you've just won a confidence vote by a slimmer margin than Thatcher, Major and May won theirs, and all of their careers were pretty much doomed by their results. You simply don't have the backing of your MPs anymore, and 60% of the country wants you to go. You're going to be locked into a constant cycle of blackmail and appeasement just to keep the gears grinding. It just won't be in any way efficient. What the bubbling fuck do you think has been efficient about any part of my government so far, you daft prick? Fair point. And as for 60% of the people, well, boo-pissing who? The people don't get to just change their mind. That's not how democracy works. Isn't it? Haven't you traditionally been quite big on that whole the will of the people thing? Oh, stop being such a smart-ass. You know I'm about as consistent as one of Keir Starmer's shits after a curry gate. Now be a dear and pass me that throwing axe, will you? I just don't see a way out of this, sir. Surely it would be better to go now rather than face even more outrage if we have a couple of embarrassing by-election results in a couple of weeks. Or when the Privileges Committee investigate you for misleading Parliament. Pa! More left-wing gossip. Mislead this, you traitorous bastard. Yeah. Oh, right in the fucking ball bag. Ha! I just devolved your testicles, you flip-flopping little fucker. Hey, fair enough. Sorry, I love you, Prime Minister. As always, Douglas, I thank you for your support. And there you have it, chap. The subtle art of political pressure. It really doesn't seem all that subtle to me. Listen, old bean. You're a civil servant, not a politician. So I know all this looks a little brutal and excessive to you. I understand that, and I'm humbled by it. But there's just one thing I need you to understand, okay? What's that, Prime Minister? I am never, ever quitting. Not ever. I will cling to this job until my fingernails split and my knuckles are worn down to the bone. And anyone, anyone who tries to take it from me I'll tear apart with my bare hands. I am the boy who would be world king. Do you hear me? The prince who was promised. This job is my manifest destiny. It is who I am. And I shall carve a bloody path through anyone who tries to rip it from my grasp. Um, understood, Prime Minister. Jolly good. Right then. Time to make yourself useful, chap. Go and give old Cleverly a hand with some of those bodies, will you? Just bung them under the swing set in the garden, and then Pretty can eat them a bit later on. Isn't this many dead Tory MPs going to pose a problem, Prime Minister? Won't it trigger more by-elections? Oh, don't worry about that. Whenever a Tory dies in combat, you just pop down to Eton and pick up a fresh one that looks similar. The public never bloody notice. The Prime Minister tells the truth. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. Get him in line, Nadine. Quite understandably, Boris Johnson is now quite keen to move the political agenda on from the internecine battles of his own making now raging in his administration. 
He's been juggling rebellious backbenchers and nervous voters with a raft of broad policy announcements designed to appeal to more traditional conservatives this week, including a move to allow benefits payments to go towards mortgages, which might not sound that conservative on paper, but really it's the most Tory thing I've ever heard. Using taxpayer funds to provide a roof over the heads of, and a social welfare net for, our most vulnerable people is clearly filthy, dirty socialism. Using the same taxpayer funds to pay interest fees to mortgage lenders, thus redistributing even more public money to bankers in the private sector, however, well, that's just good business sense. And the reputation for good business sense is one the Conservatives have somehow relied on for decades now. But as the Chancellor faced yet more accusations of fiscal incompetence this week, just how deserved is that reputation? Tom King has been doing some quick maths on the back of a fag packet, and he's determined to find out. The Conservative Party and responsible fiscal policy. Two ideas that, on paper, provided said paper is a hateful shit rag aimed at infuriating your nan, go hand in hand. For decades now, Britain has endured the political narrative that it is the Tories who are the sensible party when it comes to spending public money. Conservatives and careful stewardship of the public purse are supposed to go together like wine and cheese, which ironically enough was exactly what they spent the public purse on over the Christmas period in 2020. The uncomfortable truth for any of us gullible marks who vaguely follow politics is that we are generally powerless to control the more powerful tides of wider public opinion. The dictated not-in-our-algorithm-controlled social media echo chambers, where we can delude ourselves into thinking we have our fingers on the pulse, but by a far wider system of expensive PR and media manipulation. People who follow politics closely struggle by in the vain hope that by understanding our systems better, we might be able to enact, or at least vote for, some small form of meaningful change. But the simple fact remains that when it comes to public perception, most elections are won or lost not on the nuances of policy, but on the broadest of strokes. Talk to the average person on the street about fiscal responsibility, for example, and more often than not, they'll tell you that the Labour Party have bankrupted the country more effectively and more often than a coked-up stockbroker in the last days of Enron. Ask them to elaborate further and you can pretty much guarantee that two things will come up. One, Gordon Brown selling off half of our gold reserves. And two, the sarcastic letter that Labour left in the desk of the new Chancellor claiming there was no money left. Put simply, more often than not, Labour could put forward a perfectly costed manifesto, suggesting just the sort of radical overhaul our economic system needs to boost productivity and return wealth and power to the people. And it simply wouldn't matter. Too significant a chunk of the British public still think that the Tories are better with money, even though this government have, at this point, wasted Billions more than Gordon Brown ever pawned off to try and dig us out of a global recession. This sort of fiscal stink is hard to get off, but it finally appears that it just might be starting to stick to a Conservative Chancellor for once. It's been an unflattering few months for Rishi Sunak, the man that, for a long time, was considered the natural successor and heir apparent to Boris Johnson. 
Awkward questions over his wife's non-dom status and business dealings with Russia tarnished his reputation as the Covid Chancellor selflessly looking out for all of us. Further scandals about the colossal sums lost to fraud and cronyism in PPE acquisition dented his image even further. But this week might just be the cherry on his particularly shitty cake of financial mismanagement. Over the last few days, he's been embroiled in a spat with the National Institute of Economic and Social Research. It's a think tank that's accused the Treasury of failing to ensure the huge sums it created as part of its quantitative easing programme against potential future interest rate rises. Now, those rates have been raised to try and combat rampant inflation. The British taxpayer has been exposed to a potentially unnecessary extra £11 in interest payments over the last year. It's all rather complicated, but really, the argument boils down to whether or not intervening with said insurance would have been a fiscal gamble at the time. The time of the pandemic? You know, when interest rates were quite literally rock bottom and had nowhere to go but up. There was no other way this situation could have panned out. Yet Sunak chose not to intervene, and as a result the taxpayer has now absorbed yet another massive and unnecessary cost because of his spectacular lack of oversight. So, how does Sunak's record compare to somebody like Brown's when it comes to poor financial management? Well, the sell-off of half our gold reserves cost the taxpayer an estimated $4.7 billion. Although in Brown's defence, a lot of the money from said sale was reinvested as part of his wider economic strategy and did deliver some economic gains for the UK. Sunak's latest blunder has cost the public purse £11 which when you add in £4 in useless PPE that now has to be burned, and roughly £10 paid out in fraudulent Covid loans, and the £30 or so lost to new trade barriers and extra bureaucracy thanks to his party's version of Brexit is... Oh, sorry, I'm using a left-wing calculator, and he's just committed suicide out of outright despair. And who can blame it? This government have spent the last three years wasting more money than Man United and have equally shit results to show for it. But what does it actually matter when so many clueless man-on-the-street types seem to live in a fundamentally alternative universe? One where, after all this time and all these scandals, they still think that this useless set of Tory bastards are the fiscally responsible ones. You know, as opposed to a set of perpetually distracted, self-interested arseholes too busy squabbling and plotting among themselves to protect the taxpayer by planning for the fucking obvious. I mean, for Christ's sake, Gordon Brown only had one of the fucking things, and even he managed to keep a better eye on the future. I'm Tom King just wishing that there was a way to ensure against Tory incompetence. Reporting for IC News. All this talk of costly insurance and spiralling costs has just reminded me that the Tories are also in charge of the NHS, so that's a system we can all look forward to, isn't it? 
And this week, I wasn't the only one contemplating a drastic overhaul of the way our healthcare service operates. The Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, made his own attempt to slap a dead cat down on the partygate table and came out swinging this week, derisively calling the very system he's in charge of a blockbuster healthcare system in the age of Netflix. Despite the fact Blockbuster disappeared about 12 years ago, and the Tories have been in charge for that exact amount of time. So, spoiler alert, it's kind of been their job to modernise it all this time. But what exactly is the Health Secretary's vision, and what is he actually getting at? It's been a while since we've properly utilised Danny Sutcliffe's undercover skills here at the network, and we could think of no greater purpose than getting some real clarity on Sajid Javid's vague vision for the future of the NHS. Hello, Sam. This Daniel Sutcliffe, software developer and big tech guy. Fire up those bitcoins, you apes, and get ready for the stocks, because Daddy Musk is taking us all to Mars. <laughs> and I'm going to make a fucking mint in the process. Right, I understood about a third of those words and the general meaning of everything you just said even less. Well, that's because you're a fucking rube, Sam. A Luddite, a dinosaur. A crusty, knackered, ancient relic of the past. You're Woolworths in the age of Thornton's. House of Fraser in the age of Boohoo. Toys R Us in the age of knife crime and internet porn. The kids don't want you anymore, Grandad. Ugh, why don't you just die already? Well, you're already being particularly obnoxious today, Danny. I'm a tech bro now, Sam. It's all part of the sales pitch. The bigger a cunt you act, the less government seem to care when you treat your employees like shit or manipulate the stock market. I'm the future, baby, and the future is dreadful. Now, let's talk healthcare, Sam. Crunch some numbers, seal some deals, fuck some sacred cows, that sort of thing. Blue box, out the sky thinking, yeah? I'm talking big picture, two birds with one stone. Synergy sort of stuff. Talk to me. Hit me, bro. I can take it. Don't skip leg day. Have you tried Huel? It's the shit, bro. Do you even lift? Danny, you're not pitching to me. And I'm not sure what any of this has to do with what's going on at the Department of Health and Social Care. Oh, right, yeah. I forgot. Sorry, pal. I've been crushing this salesman shy all week and it's very addictive. <laughs> or it could be the drip on this, frankly, weapons-grade cocaine I got from some weird bloke who said he was the salamander for levelling up or something. You put that the fuck down, Bugthorpe! Fuel is for closers! You don't look like a fucking closer to me! You look like a piece of shit! Right, well, there's clearly a lot going on wherever you are, so maybe you should just start at the beginning and explain what the hell you've been doing. Of course, pal. I'm here at the beating heart of Sajid Javid's department, and let me tell you, it pumps cold, hard cash. The word of the day here is productivity. The Tories have a plan to streamline the bloated carcass of the crumbling NHS, and it's all about... Well, it's all about... Uh, Hang on, I'm sure they told me at one point. Spiders? Gary, is it something to do with spiders? 
Well, the only thing that's been publicly announced is that he plans to save up to four and a half billion a year by drastically improving productivity and modernising the health service. Now, that's all very vague and hasn't come with any new funding announcements, so I think the British public will be very curious about just how he plans to achieve it. Oh, right, well that I can answer, Sam, because there's only one thing that can improve on a Conservative NHS, and that's the great British entrepreneurial spirit. And Sutcliffe's healthcare solutions are here to provide exactly that. Don't you think that the name Sutcliffe might have some associations with the public that... Well, don't exactly scream healthcare. Well, technically, trepanning is healthcare, Sam, but I'd take your point. Maybe we could do with softening the brand somewhat. Ooh, fancy going into business with me, mate? You're a wokey with a sad little online following. The socialists who wank themselves to death over the NHS would fucking love getting your name involved. Oh, I can picture it now. Sutcliffe and Gore Healthcare Solutions. Oh, fucking hell, that's even worse. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that I have no interest in investing in any of your business ventures, Danny. Well, you're missing out this time, pal. Do you have any idea how easy it is to flog pie-in-the-sky tech solutions that cost millions and never work to Tory governments? The best analogy these twats can come up with is a fucking blockbusters comparison. Blockbusters hasn't been a thing for a decade, mate. It's no wonder those high-tech border solutions are nowhere to be seen. All you need to do is say algorithm in a business pitch to these cunts and boom, you've got yourself a multi-million pound IT contract that won't modernise shit and could have been spent on hiring nurses. Or something else that the NHS actually needs. This logic is completely fucked and it's brilliant. There's a literal killing to be made here, and I don't mean on the trolleys in corridors outside A&E. Danny, please don't tell me you've actually been pitching to the health department. (laughs) Pitched, signed, cashed in, and fucked off, mate. Keep an eye out for the Sutcliffe machine learning deep think AI-enabled quantum operating system. Coming to a radiology department near you sometime in 2032. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I've got to say, Danny, defrauding the NHS is a new low, even for you. How dare you, sir? I am an inventor and an innovator. A man of the future. You don't know the first fucking thing about IT systems. The last invoice you sent me was written in crayon. They're nature's biros, Sam. Sustainability is a key part of the ethos here at Sutcliffe's Healthcare Solutions. Put that fucking hue down, Buckthorpe. Or you can go and pretend to work somewhere else. Now sell, goddammit, or I swear to God, I'll beat the ever-loving shit out of you. (laughs) Oh, God, I fucking love healthcare. It's just so rewarding, you know. Clearly, Danny, I'm just not sure the positive outcomes here are going to be for the patients. Well, mate, if they have any complaints, they're welcome to fax them to the NHS. Or send a carrier pigeon or something, because the Sutcliffe machine learning deep think AI-enabled quantum operating system isn't going to be ready for a while. Now, if you don't mind, I've got some fuel to drink and some markets to manipulate. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, coped up to the eyeballs and dragging the NHS kicking and screaming into the future. Reporting for IC News. Hmm. 
Hardly encouraging, but at this point it's almost hard to see how we could make waiting times worse. And speaking of which, it's your turn to wait now, as it's the end of our broadcast. We'll be back the same time next week with the finale of Season 7, which I'm reasonably confident will include the sentence It's been an embarrassing week for the Prime Minister. Until then, though, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. The Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development predicts that of all the G20 countries, only Russia will have a worse performing economy than the UK next year. So that's Brexit just about outperforming a global sanctions programme designed to punish an illegal war and genocide, which I guess is something for the win column? A police chief in Paris admits that multiple security failures were to blame for chaos and violent scenes at the Champions League final meaning that for once Liverpool fans don't have to wait 30 years for the authorities to admit they fucked them over. Yvette Cooper says that she once hid on a train from Tony Blair as her new mum, as she wanted to look professional. Bold move, Yvette, playing hide-and-seek with a man who just lies and says he's found things even when there aren't any. And finally, Stuart Broad's pub is badly damaged in a fire, which is about the only chance any England cricketer's got of holding any ashes this year. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. Hello again. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger me. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.